0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
1: These days it is no surprise that research statistics show that typical Aussies are not engaging with the Bible. Well, we can all do some sort of self-assessment to know whether we are in the shallow end or in the deep end when it comes to our use of the Bible. We might be pleased to know that the people at Wycliffe, who are known for their Bible translation work, are also honing skills for Aussie engagement, as well as for people around the world to access the scriptures that they translate. Our special guest today is heavily involved in biblical storytelling workshops and promoting the different resources and ideas that people like you and I may find helpful to engage with God through his word. Josh Bartlett is part of the Wycliffe team and he's joining us on the line. Hello, Josh. Welcome along to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Josh, uh, we got you. You're in Victoria. Is that the case? Uh, no,
2: I'm actually in um, in Brisbane at the moment. The national office of Wycliffe is in Victoria, but I'm uh, I'm in Brisbane.
1: Okay, all right. Well, Josh, let's talk about the challenge that is before you and the challenge that Wycliffe has decided to take up, and this is the idea of Bible engagement. It's one thing to translate the Scriptures into languages that people can read. Another thing to be able to help people engage, and I guess that there's some things that you do engagement-wise that work in all sorts of different cultural settings, and why wouldn't they work in Australia as well? Give us some insights into this whole idea of a challenge about Bible engagement.
2: Yes, well, that's exactly right. Um, there are uh, lots of things that um, uh, yeah, that, that work around the world that we can apply here in Australia. And I guess um, Wycliffe is known for Bible translation. Uh, but I think it's important for us to point out that the reason that we do Bible translation isn't just because we want to deliver some product or, um, you know, uh, just... Tick a box to say this language has the Bible. It's because what we want to see is people living as disciples of Jesus, um, and uh, that's just as true in Australia as it is around the world. That uh, you know we've got access to lots of Bibles here in Australia, but um, if people aren't engaging with the Bible and, and I guess engaging with God through the Bible, uh, then it's just a, another product. It's not actually going to see people living as disciples.
1: Well, this is great because oftentimes we'll have that sort of throwaway line that says, you know, this is what you do. You pray and you read the Bible. Uh, But what you're saying is, Let's take that reading of the Bible a little differently here and a little more deeply, because you're talking about how you read the Bible in such a way that you actually are engaging with God uh, through the Bible. Let's talk about that a little, because uh, it's a bit different to just reading a few words on a page and saying, oh, well, I've done my duty for the day.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think, um, you know, Christians in Australia, we know that uh, reading the Bible is a good thing, and often that results in us feeling guilty when we don't and we think of it as a duty. Um, but uh, my hope is to see more and more people realizing that, hey, um, I can find ways of reading the Bible where God speaks to me through the Bible, um, and so we see it as, I want more of that um, because I want to hear from God, rather than just, oh, you know, I know that good Christians are supposed to read the Bible, so I guess I should try do that.
1: Okay, let's talk about perhaps uh, here because I know that there'll be some listeners who'll be saying, well, uh, you know, I've been reading the Bible and I'm not sure whether I'm engaging with God on a very deep level. Uh, It's one thing to read particular passages of the Bible that might be even more inviting for engagement uh, than others because you might be looking at a whole lot of genealogies or uh, reading through uh, uh, the book of Leviticus and you're thinking, uh, how is God going to engage me or how am I going to engage God uh, by reading some things that are tougher to read? Uh, Do you encourage people to find passages where, where the engagement with God is perhaps a little easier? What are your thoughts here?
2: yeah uh, so I guess um, there 's there's lots of things that, that are going on there i 'd say that if you're new to getting into the Bible uh, that um, jumping into some of the narrative sections um, or some of the letters um, that have clear teaching in them uh, can be a good place to start um, because if you start by jumping into you know long lists of, of ancient kings or um, you know uh, dimensions of the tabernacle. Um, you're going to have a hard slog, um, but I guess uh, uh, I guess it's important to remember that God can speak through all of the Bible. Uh, we have um, lots of examples when we, within Wycliffe, as we translate the Bible around the world, of bits of the Bible that we might think uh, we might think of them as, oh, uh, you know, I'll just skip over that bit, um, that have actually been really key to. Um, some of the people groups actually understanding who God is and why Jesus came. I'm thinking of an example um, in Papua New Guinea, uh, the, the Binamarian people, where uh, the translator, you know, jumped into translating the New Testament. start of Matthew's Gospel is a whole list of, of ancestors of Jesus. And he thought, oh, I'll just skip that bit and start with the, you know, the meaty bits, if you like, the bits that people will engage with. Um, and so he did that, and at the end of Matthew's Gospel, he said, well, I guess we should jump back and translate the start. Um, and it was that list of names that really connected with the Binimarian people for them to realize that, hey, Jesus isn't just a story. You know, you don't, you don't include a list of the ancestors of someone who's a, a fantasy, a fable. If Jesus has a list of ancestors, he's a real person. Uh, and that was really key for their understanding of the Bible.
1: Well, that's so powerful because this idea that different people groups are going to get different levels of uh, value from what they read in the Bible. And so, uh, yes, if you've got a a group that sees those genealogies as actually... Giving the depth of uh, of saying this is uh, the history and the reality of a real person uh, rather than something that 's a little bit more devotional but uh, I, and I guess that 's going to work for different individuals uh, on every different level because some are going to be interested in more deep. And uh, others are going to be a little more shallow uh, than uh, than the variety of people that might be in your local church, uh, because we're all different. We're all individuals, and so somehow or other, uh, getting everyone engaging on a little bit deeper level might start at a different place.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think within the Western church, we've often focused on uh, individual personal Bible reading, and, and we have this idea that if you don't um, if you don't spend uh, you know time every morning uh, studying the Bible in depth on your own, then you're not really as good a Christian as the next person. Um, But throughout the history of the church and and throughout different cultures around the world, uh, engaging with the Bible and community is actually um, uh, probably more common than this idea that we have of individual Bible reading. And so I think it is important to remember that, you know, you've got to find, you know, whether it's engaging with the Bible with other people or whether it's finding creative ways. If you're not very good at, at reading, maybe finding audio Bibles, I um, It's okay to do the Bible, your Bible engagement in different ways that actually speak to you.
1: And I guess the use of a daily devotional, and there are all sorts of daily devotionals. Uh, I'll often talk about the word for today. It's the one distributed by Vision, and uh, it's an outstanding daily devotional and leads people into a deeper engagement with the Bible. We might come back and talk some more about some resources and things like that towards the end of our conversation, but uh, let's talk about the typical Aussie, and the statistics and what you know, latest research might show about Aussies' engagement with the Bible. I mean, how good are we at this overall uh, within church and, of course, outside of church? What are your thoughts here, Josh?
2: Um, yeah, look, there's lots of studies that have been done on Bible use um, in Australia, uh, and probably the easiest figure to understanding is understand is the one that Bible Study put out in 2012, which says that only two in ten. Christians in Australia have any kind of Bible-reading habit. Um, so if we're just looking at Christians, um, only two in ten have a habit of reading the Bible. Um, when you think about that, that's kind of pretty shocking because we're Christians, we're supposed to be the people who love the Bible. Um, but the figure says that we really struggle to get into the Bible. Uh, my my own research suggests that... Um, Uh, For Christians who are regularly attending church, maybe the figure's slightly higher than that 20% figure from Bible Society, but it's still uh, still more than half of us as Christians regularly attending church are really struggling to regularly get into the Bible.
1: Well, you know, it's shocking, isn't it, Uh, to be able to think of a statistic like that. I think every listener listening in is going to be going, uh, oh, I thought all of those other people sitting at church who looked pretty good on a sunday must be reading their bible a lot more frequently than i do uh, but when you actually see 2 in 10 have a habit of reading the bible and uh, and even then i imagine that you could even uh, you know you could even speculate as to how deeply that 2 in 10 might actually have that habit uh, that that could be actually quite a shocking thing too so this idea of being in the shallow end or being in the deep end, and maybe there's somewhere halfway along, do you encourage people to maybe just sort of do some sort of level of self-assessment about, uh, and this is not a conversation about condemnation today, we're just sort of talking about this is what's typical. But what are your thoughts about, you know, taking things to a little bit extra depth? Uh, When you talk about these statistics, I imagine that a lot of your work is about just getting people where they are and taking them one step deeper. Is that the way you'd think of working like that? Yeah,
2: that's right. I think, um, I think it's, uh, you know, it's good to take an honest assessment of where you're at so that you can ask, well, what is the next step I can take? Um, and uh, I reckon that for, for a lot of us, you know, if we're struggling to regularly get into the Bible, um, you know, it's good to know, to recognize the fact that you're not alone. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it would be great if in our Christian communities we could start to talk more about this because the figures say that so many of us are struggling with it, it. Um, so that it becomes a more normal thing to talk about. Um, And uh, I reckon that um, finding ways to build it into a daily routine that you already have is is a good first step. If you're struggling to read the Bible every day but you have a train trip into work every day, for example... Um, then maybe just saying, well, I'm going to spend a bit of time on my train trip um, on the way to work, just reading a few verses of the Bible uh, might be a good kind of way of building it in. So it's just normal, so it's a a habit, but it doesn't become a burden. It's just part of what you do every day.
1: Uh, I know you like to talk about Western cultural idols. A couple of those, uh, the idea of individualism and the fact that we're so busy with so many other distractions, uh, they've been able to creep in. And uh, what gets displaced is our focus on the Bible. What are your thoughts about these, uh, what you've called sort of Western cultural idols?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I think you know, when you live in any culture, uh, you you absorb some of the culture, and sometimes that's not a, not a bad thing, but I think we need to be aware as Christians that there are some parts of our Western culture that that maybe aren't so helpful for us as Christians. And so, um, so we have this notion of individualism in our culture, and um, uh, I think that in terms of of Bible use, um, that's played out in our idea that your Bible use is a very personal thing um, which, you know, personal Bible use is important, but engaging with the Bible individually at the exclusion of talking about it uh, in, your, in your home, talking about it with other, other Christians, um, results in a very uh, isolated faith, um, and an isolated faith really isn't a faith that survives. Um, so in my own research, I've found that even Christians who are uh, good at engaging with the Bible personally um, still about half of those people, even when you're just for people who, um, you know, don't live with other Christians, um, about ha- only about half of them will actually talk about the Bible at home. Um, and I've come across lots of people who say, yeah, you know, I know that it would be great to have family devotions, but I just don't know where to start. Um, so there are lots of things like that, that, that I think we, uh, as a church, kind of just focus on the personal um, individual Bible use. And I wonder if that's, um, that's our individualism of our culture rubbing off. And the other one you mentioned there, uh, which I think is a big one, is that I think in our Western culture, we kind of idolise busyness. Um, you know, the people who seem to be the most busy uh, are the most important people. And I was doing a focus group in a, um, in a church uh, looking at this question of Bible engagement, and I asked, well, what can, what can church do to help you getting into the Bible more? Um, and one man said something I thought was really insightful. He said, you know, um, it occurs to me that so often we uh, inadvertently encourage busyness from the front in church. We, uh, we talk about all the ways to volunteer and we talk about all the programs coming up. But it's much rarer that we model from the front of church just slowing down, taking time and listening to God. And so I think it's important... Uh, you know, if we want to be serious about getting into the Bible and listening to God speak through it, um, it's important to kind of combat that that busyness, that idol of busyness, if you like, um, that our Western culture gives us. Uh, because, um, uh, you know, busyness is uh, um, something that gets in the way of actually taking the time and listening to God. <laughs>
1: And it's one thing for us to talk about this sort of thing on the radio and it's another thing for uh, these sorts of ideas to permeate into uh, the culture of individuals and into families and into local churches and therefore entire communities because, I mean, you know, oftentimes, as we've had this morning on the conversation before you, Josh, uh, the idea, talking about all sorts of deterioration of of the biblical and Christian ethics that we understand, uh, how they're applied in our communities. And uh, you know what? Perhaps due to uh, this correlation of the idea of not engaging with the Bible uh, across the nation, and uh, when you've only got two in ten Christians having a habit of reading the Bible, how do you expect that uh, biblical and Christian ethics might be applied in the community? How do you expect that salt and light might even have an effect on the communities that we live in? Life. Culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today on 1 800 316 316. You can also leave a comment or a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest is Josh Bartlett. He's part of the Wycliffe team and heavily involved in biblical storytelling workshops and promoting the different resources and ideas that people like like you and I might find helpful in engaging with God through the Bible. Uh, before we take any calls, Josh, let's just talk about this storytelling idea for a few moments because uh, storytelling uh, is, you know, it comes naturally to some others have to work on that a little, but what's the value of being a good storyteller when it comes to the Bible?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I'd say that storytelling comes naturally to everyone Uh you know, you might not think that you're a great storyteller and you might struggle to get in front of people and tell a story to a big audience. Um, but all of us in everyday conversation, uh, we throw in little anecdotes about what I did last week or, or, yeah, that reminds me of something my brother told me about what his friend said. Um, and so I think that we're all wired, um, wired to tell stories. Um, and I think one of the great things about storytelling is that anyone can tell a story. And when it comes to the Bible, um, you know, around about 75% of the Bible is narrative. So there are lots of great stories in there that you can tell. And one of the things I find is that storytelling is a really non-threatening way of sharing a bit of your faith with people. That, um, you know, uh, getting into a deep theological discussion about someone's life choices can be really confronting, um, but sharing a story about something you believe um, can be much less confronting, much less threatening for people. Now, um,
1: well, I was about to say uh, a lot of us and I'll have programs and talk about this sort of thing about how you talk about your own personal testimony. Uh, your own experience uh, knowing God. But uh, but when we talk about telling biblical stories as a storyteller, we're actually talking about adding that dimension there, which is not neglecting the Bible story uh, and adding that to your own personal story. It, is that a good way to think about how you might engage with the Bible and, and also tell your own personal testimony?
2: Yeah, well, when we're talking about sharing Bible stories with um, with other people who might not have heard them, that can be one um one really great way of doing it, if someone's interested enough in you for you to have the chance to tell your testimony, um, your personal story, um, you, can, you can say, oh, um, you know, and can I share with you a story from the Bible that's really resonated with me? Uh, because that way you're not just telling your experience, you're also telling a bit of God's Word, um, which is, you know, God's story, how God interacted with the world. Um, and people can, can learn a lot from that.
1: Okay, let's take a call or two. Let's first of all hear from Anne in Labrador, in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along.
3: Hello. How are you? It's Very good well, to Anne. Hear. Yeah, it's good to hear your program. I love it. Um, what I want to know, what I try and tell you is, I, I have been to this 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 program that I've got to, and it's called Bible Fellowship Study, okay. and it started in America, and. What happens is we uh, do reading, and then we do every day. We do um, we have questions and answers, then we go back and into groups on the you know on the Monday, and then we learn it. And we have that. We do um, one book, and we go through the book for a whole year, and uh, it's one of the best I've, I've ever been to. So this is something and you do
1: online, and is it uh, you're on no, the internet?
3: No, 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 it's not on the internet. It's getting that way. It's one I used to go down to uh, a different church, hells holds it, and it's interdenominational. And it's right, and it, and it teaches right through from children right up to adults, to young adults, to everything. And sometimes the only thing is that they don't have a mixed one. They usually just have a men's one or a ladies one, and uh, children come, you know, uh, up to about 18, and then they go on. I haven't been because of transport, but I'm going back to it next year when I retire, and, and it's a fantastic thing. Yes.
1: Wonderful to hear your contribution here today. Let's get a thought or two from Josh, because uh, as Anne has got some sort of a formal connection to a program that actually helps you to engage with the Bible, is this a, a good way to actually make some sort of start here, Josh? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, programs like the Bible Study Fellowship that Anne uh, and talking about are really great because um, you're connecting with other people who are reading the passages with you. Um, it gives it gives you with the tools to uh, to dig into a passage well, um, and by doing it with others, you've got that community aspect, that accountability. Other people, um, you know, keep, keeping up with the same um, the same level. So really great um, great way to get started. Um, I guess the only thing I'd like to say is that um, it's important to remember that um, the end goal is to to not have to rely on. Uh, programs like this to be able to get into the Bible. It's to be able to dig into the Bible for yourself.
1: Yeah. Okay, it's really useful. Well done, Anne. Thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Russell is in Slacks Creek. Hello, Russell. Welcome.
4: Hello, how are you? Very well,
1: Russell.
4: I'm enjoying your conversation. What interests me 40 years ago when I got born again with the Salvation Army, I couldn't read and write. I had tradition in there, free and religion and all the other problems that went with it. I was married at the time the ex wife was born again two years before me, but she just tore everything apart. The thing that interests me was John four twenty three, God is a spirit. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm trying to come into that and I had a lot of trouble, you know, because I couldn't pick up. But I trusted God. I ended up in cults. So I thought they were churches, done up as churches, and it was run by witches and high priests of Satan and everything. And, you know, I kept my contact with my Christian friends. They tubbed me, but God brought me through it, you know. I've got
1: to... Um, uh, Russell, you're making some good points there, and uh, and interesting the way we all perceive what's happening in our lives, what's happening around about us. Uh, but uh, just a thought here, uh, just a minute in the, in the lead up to news. But Josh, uh, this idea that it's not just about uh, engaging with the Bible, but there's also a sort of a spirituality and a worship that actually comes in as part of that as well. What are your thoughts here for uh, for the likes of Russell?
2: Yeah, I think um, I mean. The Bible, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's not just a book. It's not just a history book. Um, the Bible is something living and active, something that God uses um, to transform people's lives and to transform communities. So there definitely is that spiritual aspect, um, and I think, uh, yeah, definitely finding um, finding a healthy church that can support people in engaging with God through the Bible is is a really valuable thing too, as part of that.
1: Josh, let's talk a little about the sort of storytelling that we started to get into uh, and you know the idea that storytelling is so natural for almost all of us uh, that we do in conversation every day. And you have some programs that enable people to actually do some biblical storytelling with the same sort of skills that we already have. Uh, So this is an important element here of just how you actually relay what's going on in the Bible.
2: Yeah, so, um, so Wycliffe runs training programs called Story the Bible. Uh, and essentially it's training to, uh, to help you take those, uh, you know, natural skills at just telling stories in everyday life, um, and apply them to passages in the Bible. So take a passage in the Bible and craft it into a form that you could tell it in everyday conversation. Um, and the aim that we, we use the acronym SAM. We're aiming for something that's, S is simple, a story that you can use, tell using simple language. Uh, A is for accurate, we want to make sure we're still telling stories that are um, accurate to the Bible text, and M is for memorable. Uh, We want to tell the stories in a form that it's easy for you to remember as the teller and that the listeners will be able to go away and remember the stories later. Um, So, yeah, we run those training programs to, uh, to help equip people.
1: Okay, simple, accurate, and memorable. Remember Sam, simple, accurate, and memorable. Uh, Let's talk about a story or two, because if you're running storytelling workshops, uh, no doubt people are interested in the way you might relay a biblical story. Uh, Do you have a favorite that you can share with us in the way that you might uh, tell people this is how easy it is to actually tell a story?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um I like to encourage people to have uh you know, prepare a few a few stories about Jesus that might give examples of why he came, uh, because you never know when in conversation you might have the chance to um, to share that and give people a bit of people who've never really heard much about Jesus, a bit of a glimpse of who he is. Uh so can I share uh one story about something that Jesus did.
1: Yes, let's, uh, let's hear a story. And I know listeners will be thinking, uh, if he can tell a story, I can tell one too. So Josh, hit us with your best story.
2: <laughs> um, so one day Jesus was teaching. Uh, he was in a house and the house was completely packed. And inside the house with him were some religious leaders who were listening closely to everything that Jesus was saying. Now outside the house, uh, there was a paralyzed man And he had four friends who wanted to take him into Jesus. But the house was so packed they couldn't get in the door. So they climbed up the outside stairs onto the flat roof and they broke a hole through the roof and lowered the man down on his mat right in front of Jesus. Well, Jesus saw that they trusted him. And he said, I forgive the wrong things you've done. Well, the religious leaders thought to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive the wrong things that we do. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said, is it easier for me to say, I forgive the wrong things you've done? Or get up, roll up your mat and walk. But I'll prove to you that I have the authority to say this. And he said to the man, get up, roll up your mat and walk. And the paralyzed man, he got up. He rolled up his mat and he walked out in front of everyone, praising God. And all the people saw that and said, we've never seen anything like this. Praise God for the amazing things that he's done.
1: Well, it's a great story and so relatable because there's depth to the story. It's not just about telling a mechanical sequence of events because you've got in there the fact that there's a paralysed man healed, but it's not just about the paralysed man being healed. It's about the forgiveness of sins, And so when we start to talk about the Bible and its relevance for us today, we can talk about the things that happen in our own lives. But what's a deeper thing than that is that, yes, God is able to forgive sins. And so this whole uh, message of salvation comes to the fore. A powerful way to do that simply by telling a Bible story.
2: One of the things that I uh, love about the Bible is that every little story in the Bible has so much truth and depth. It tells you so much about who God is and who we are as humans. And just that one little story, um, you can, yeah, different people will hear that and notice different things about it. Um, I remember one time I was, um, not long after I'd first learnt to tell stories in this style, uh, some of my friends knew, uh, you know, began to know me as a storyteller and so when they saw me, they'd say, oh, Josh, you haven't told us a story, a Bible story recently, tell us another one. And so that, uh, uh, of course, kept me on my toes to always try and be prepared with a new story every time I saw those friends. But one time, uh, that had a friend's barbecue sitting around the table, and um, one of these people said, ah, oh, tell us another story. So I, I began to tell a story, and halfway through the story, a guy I didn't know at the other end of the table interrupted and said, is that a true story? Uh, I didn't even know this guy was listening, but I yeah. said to him, yeah, it's a true story. He said, how do you know? He said, oh, it's in the Bible. It's in well, the one I told at the time. It was in Kings. Um, And he said, oh, righto." And so I kept telling the story. And at the end, I asked my friends, I said, well, what do you learn about God in that story? And one of them said, oh, I learned God is powerful. And the next one heard the same story but said, I learned that, um, you know, God wants people to follow him and not other gods. And another friend said, oh, I learned that God is really forgiving. And then... um, other people around the table who I hadn't even realized were listening to the story started saying things they'd learned about God. And we went around the table and probably about 10 different people heard the same story and each learned something different about God from the story. And I love that depth and richness that there is in the Bible.
1: I imagine, too, it's important that when you are personally reading the Bible yourself, and, uh, you know, maybe we're talking to two out of ten Christians here, as you mentioned in those statistics a little earlier. I don't know. I hope we're going to be talking to three, four, five, six out of ten who might just uh, pick up some thoughts about engaging here. But what you're sort of saying is that when you do open the Bible and you do read some of these stories, don't just read the words, then close the Bible. You actually... Gotta take a little bit of time to actually find some of those powerful things. Uh, that, you know, that God is powerful. That, that his friends were committed to uh, taking him to a place where he could meet Jesus. Uh, you know, that they were perseverant in the way that they took that uh, paralyzed man to the roof and, uh, and were very uh, creative in the way that they got that man into the presence of Jesus, even though the place was packed. You've got to take a little bit of time uh, to, uh, this is what, uh, get your thoughts here, Josh this is what the engagement is like when you are with your Bible and beginning to understand how God works.
2: Yeah, and um, there are certainly lots of ways of engaging with the Bible, but it's definitely valuable to uh, to do some, something a bit more than just, uh, you know, listening to words and, and then forgetting them again. Um, so asking questions like you said, like, you know, if you're going to approach it with, with Uh, any passage in the Bible, you could just ask three simple questions, what do I learn about God, what do I learn about people, and what am I going to do differently because of it, say. Um, And there are lots of other questions you could ask. Um, Or for other people, uh, maybe you might like to engage with the Bible by reading the passage and uh, responding creatively, writing a poem or drawing something. Um, But in the same way, it's, it's drawing something or writing a poem from thinking about how does this passage affect me um, and what am I going to do about it? Sort of, um, how do I respond to God because of this? Um, because of this Bible story or passage?
1: Okay, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our talkback conversation with Josh Bartlett today, and we're talking about Aussies engaging with the Bible. Or well, you can leave a comment or a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio, as Aaron has done. And Aaron writes, Josh, she says. I think it depends on the level their church goes to with the Bible and how much time they commit to reading outside of church hours, whether it is by themselves or in a small group. I think Erin's engaging with the idea of shallow or deep, and it depends a lot on your church. She says, it seems that there could be more to be done so Australians aren't shallow in their Bible reading. We're seeing it in social media as people part-quote verses politicians taking sections of context or out of context and even some churches becoming lukewarm on issues that the Bible clearly warned against so there's a big safeguard isn't there in actually having a little bit of context and a bit more a complete understanding of the scriptures what are your thoughts for Aaron and the the likes of people who are thinking about the Bible in those terms
2: Yes, um, context is really important. I was speaking with a group in the United States that uh, you know has asked some similar questions about Bible engagement over there, and they said there are three bad habits that um, that Christians well they say in the states I imagine a lot of them apply over here um, that Christians have got into uh, uh, one of them is that we read the Bible and assume that it's just a modern document written to only to us today, and of course the Bible is in a sense, written to us today, but it was also written in a historical context. Um, and so uh, you know getting that context can really help us as, as we read it. Uh, one of the three, um, three bad habits, they said, was what I talked about before of, of reading the Bible on your own and never engaging in community. Um, the third one, they said, was um, just taking the Bible as tiny inspirational verses. Um, and um, uh, they quoted... Um, Oh, goodness. The Christian author in the States uh, slips my mind at the moment, who okay. said we yep. have taken the Bible and turned it into thousands of Bible McNuggets and tried to convince ourselves <laughs> that they're nutritious for us.
1: Okay. Well, um, I think that's, uh, there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? The idea of taking uh, one single verse or being inspired, and it might even be a favorite verse. It might have even been a memory verse. But if you stay with that only and don't take things a little deeper, sometimes that could be the the upshot. But uh, taking a verse and letting that be an inspirational thing, but not engaging those things a little bit deeper. Let me ask you here, Josh, uh, just something Erin raised too, uh, thinking it depends on the level that their church goes. And I can't help but thinking that some of the best Bible preachers are great storytellers. Uh, some telling their own stories, or stories have been what's happening in the mission field, or whatever it might be. But oftentimes, maybe not engaging as much with the Bible story as much. What are your thoughts for great preachers and being good storytellers?
2: Yeah, well, I think um, I think that uh, storytelling is a really memorable thing, and so preachers who include lots of stories, whether they're personal anecdotes or whether they're um, Uh, you know, Bible stories in their sermon are bound to be remembered more. Um, But, of course, what we want our preachers to be modelling is good treatment of the scriptures. Uh, So a a sermon that includes only personal anecdotes and then barely touches on the Bible, uh, you know, might be memorable, but what's the point of it being memorable if it doesn't have the meat of God's Word in it?
1: So we need to have our preachers engaging with God's word and uh you know in their preparation time uh before they deliver that message uh it needs to be not just personal anecdotes uh, but it needs to have some biblical story content and then unpacking that to say this is what in in context uh God is saying to people today a uh, very powerful thought let's come back to another story or two uh there's obviously a lot of children who love storytelling and uh, there are some children uh, who are featured in the bible the, the story of Josiah another favorite of yours for storytelling uh, let's get a few thoughts from you on on telling stories like the story of Josiah
2: yeah um well you know it's important to remember that um that storytelling is not just for kids um but you know <laughs> there are lots of kids in the bible um uh one of the things that I love about the story of Josiah is that it um, illustrates how God's Word transforms individual lives and whole communities. Um, so can I tell the story of Josiah?
1: Yes, let's hear it.
2: Yeah, so, so uh, this is the story of a young boy named Josiah. Um, Josiah was a prince. His father was the king of God's people. But Josiah's father was a bad king who didn't follow God. Uh, so when Josiah was only eight years old, um, his father was assassinated by his own officials, and they made Josiah king instead. Well, Josiah grew older, and when he was a teenager, he began to seek after the god of his ancestors. Um, then, when he was about 20 years old, he went throughout his entire kingdom and uh, ripped down and smashed up all the altars and idols of false gods. Um, and about six years later, he said to his secretary you know, the temple here in Jerusalem, it's, it's fallen into disrepair. I want you to go and get the money that people donate at the temple and use it to pay workers to rebuild the temple. Uh, so his secretary went away, and, and when he came back, he said, oh, I've done everything you've asked, and the work's going well, but while I was there, the priest found this book, and the book of God's law. And so the secretary read this book to King Josiah, Um, And as Josiah heard it, he began weeping and and tearing his clothes to show that he was um, in mourning. And he said, oh, we're supposed to be God's people and we have disobeyed all of God's instructions. Uh, So God will judge us for this. I want you to go and find out what we should do. Um, So the secretary went to a prophetess who was in Jerusalem and and she said, the king's right. Um, You are supposed to be God's people. Um, You've disobeyed what God said. And so God will judge You, But, this is what God says, because Josiah has humbled himself and turned back to me, I won't carry out the judgments that I've written in that book until after Josiah died. died." Uh, So the secretary went back to the king and reported that. And Josiah called all of his people together and he read to them the book of God's law and then he publicly promised in front of them that he would follow God's law all the days of his life. And he made them promise the same thing. And, you know, from that day on until after Josiah died, um, the people of Judah, the people, God's people, wholeheartedly followed God. I love the, um, love the way that that story shows God's word, you know, the scriptures that they had at the time, transforming Josiah's life, life and through Josiah, his whole community.
1: That's the thing, the transformation of an individual life and then a community. And we might even take that to a new level by talking about uh, when there is a mass uh, uh, engagement with the Bible, even the transformation of a nation. And, uh, of course, that was what, uh, what happened, too, under Josiah. Uh, let's talk about resources here for a few minutes because uh, we talked about uh, these things a little earlier. The idea of having a daily devotional, something that enables you to engage a little more deeply with the text. Uh, sometimes it asks those questions that you're, you know, you, you know, early in the morning, maybe you're bleary-eyed and uh, you're not really, you know, able to ask those questions. But that's where the usefulness of a a daily devotional is helpful. But there's there's other deeper devotional ways and deeper ways to engage, Uh, I know that there's a couple that you're promoting.
2: Yeah, look, um, there are lots of great ways of of getting into the Bible, and um, there are lots of great uh, devotional materials like the Word for Today and other ones like that, Um, and so people can get their hands on those, help them them in their Bible reading. There are just two resources I've come across recently um, that I think uh, fill a gap that other resources haven't really been um, filling into. So I'll just mention those two. Uh, one's called The Field Guide to the Bible. Uh, this is published by Bible Society Australia. You can get it through Kurong. Um, and it's, it's a little short book. Um, the subtitle says, Making Some Sense of an Ancient Book with Really Tiny Font. Um, it's kind of an intro to the Bible. It, it goes through and answers questions around, what is the Bible? Why should I bother with it? Uh, how do I read the Bible? Um, how, you know, hearing God through the Bible, uh, you know, what if the Bible says something that sounds really wacky um, then it goes through and gives you an overview of the big story of the Bible and how the different books fit into it, uh, a summary of each of the books of the Bible, and then a section on uh, kind of other resources and help along the way. What do I do if I'm reading the Bible and I get stuck? Um, and I've, it, it's a nice, small, uh, little book that's very easy and approachable, uh, really well well presented. Um, and I think it's a really great resource for people who um, are either new to the Bible or um, uh, you know, maybe have been trying to read the Bible for the while, for a while but struggle to really get into it. Um, just a really great resource to, um, to understand how it all fits together. Um, so I recommend that one. Um, the other one that I've come across is a little bit unusual. Um, it's called Immerse. Um, and it's essentially, it's the Bible, uh, so the, the text of the Bible, New Living Translation, so quite a readable translation. Um, but it's uh, what, what we call a reader's Bible. They've formatted, um, you know, rather than in narrow columns with tiny little numbers and lots of footnotes and something that looks a bit like a reference work that most of our Bibles do, uh, it's formatted like a normal book. Uh, so it comes in several volumes because it's um, uh, on regular paper rather than the super thin paper that Bibles usually use. Um, and the parts of the Bible that are narrative, uh, presented. Like narrative. If it's poetry, it's formatted like it's poetry. If it's a letter, it's formatted like, like it's a letter. Um, and uh, I had to go at reading the New Testament volume of this, and I found it really just the way it was presented uh, and the fact that it's a, a very um, everyday language translation meant that it was really easy to get into. Um, and I just wanted to keep reading. I often, you know, with a regular Bible, I'll read a bit and think, Oh, you know, I've read a chapter. That's probably enough for today. But just with this way, this was formatted. It was like picking up a novel. It's like, oh, what happens next? What happens next? Um, So um, I guess you know, there's certainly a place for sitting down and and doing deep study of the Bible. But if what you're interested in for right now is uh, is reading lots of the Bible um, in a format that's easy to read, um, the Immerse Bible. um, I think the website is just immersebible.com. Uh, I found is a, is a great way of getting into it. And like I said before, there are lots of resources, but those are just two that I've come across recently that I wanted to highlight.
1: Okay, Immerse Bible, and it's published by Tyndale House. And uh, the other one you mentioned, the Field Guide to the Bible, published by the Bible Society. Now, uh, just a a couple of minutes remaining for our conversation here, Josh. Uh, The idea of storytelling, you've got some sort of uh, storytelling workshops that you do. Give us a little insight into those and I'll give uh, the website for Wycliffe as to how people can connect with you on those.
2: Yeah, so we run a storytelling training, a biblical storytelling training, uh, teaching people how to take a passage from the Bible and craft it into a good story that is SAM, simple, accurate and memorable. And so over the course of that training, we teach kind of skills around crafting a story, skills around presenting a story, skills around uh, holding a Bible discussion or Bible study on a story, even in a context where... Uh, You might not have a Bible handy, or pulling out a Bible might scare people off, so maybe uh, context with new Christians or non-Christians. And we teach a whole bunch of those skills, and one of the things I love about these workshops is that um, people come along to learn a skill, you know, Bible storytelling, but in the process of digging into these stories as they prepare to tell them... um, people, like, when you dig into the Bible, you're blessed by the Bible. And so we see participants coming away saying, I didn't realize just how deep that story was. So the story of Zacchaeus, you know, I've heard that since I was a kid, but it wasn't until I dug into it to prepare to tell it um, that it struck me. Oh, um, the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus says, this is why I came to earth in it. It's a story about why Jesus came to earth. Um, So there's a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of benefit, not just in terms of, Uh, your skills to be able to share the Bible in a non threatening way, but also uh, in terms of your own Bible engagement um, and helping you dig into
1: the Bible. Well, Josh, we have run out of time, but really I think if I was reflecting on some of the thoughts that I've had as we've been having this conversation, when we talked earlier on about doing a bit of a self-assessment, are you in the shallow end or the deep end? It may actually even come down to what engagement that you do have now. As to how shallow or how deep that you may be able to go with that. Because even as you say, the same story can be looked at in a shallow way or you can take things deeper and you can have a deeper engagement in those. And so the encouragement to take those steps and become good at Bible storytelling. I want to give the Wycliffe website so you can connect with Josh Bartlett. Josh is heavily involved in biblical storytelling workshops and he loves to promote these different resources and ideas and you can get some more detail uh, with connection with Josh and with the good resources from Wycliffe Bible Translators. The website is wycliffe.org.au. Wycliffe.org.au. How do you spell that? W-Y-C-L-I-F-F-E.org.au. Josh Bartlett, uh, great getting your insights today. Thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us on 2020.
2: Thanks for having me, Neil.